You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. Uh, the Lord's been speaking to me about a few things and I thought, Lord, do you really want me to do this? Because, I don't mean the talking, I mean the topic, because I, I, I struggled a bit with it because it's in Revelation and I don't normally go through Revelation. I've always sort of thought, gosh, Lord... I haven't really, I don't have a great understanding and I just felt the Lord say, well, I want you to do it. So I'm going to start off just sharing what the Lord um, said to me actually in the beginning and it was going back to the beginning and looking at God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on me should not perish but have a everlasting life. And I feel the Lord saying, let's not forget how powerful it is and what Jesus did on the cross for us. It is so powerful and I was listening to a story which really touched my heart about uh, in World War II, apparently, I don't know if it was Americans or it probably was, that set up these refuges in this war zone area and you've probably heard it. And all these children that didn't have any parents at all, they could go to this refuge and they could see, receive refuge and help. And this dad... He had his little girl with him and he held her hand and he said, I want you to come. I'm going to take you here because I can't look after you. There's no way that I can provide for you in this time of war. So he took her to the refuge and he said to them, I want you to take care of my little girl because I don't have the resources. I have nothing. And the lady looked at him or whoever it was and said, look, I'm so sorry, but this is only for people that have got um, no parents. It's only for people that hasn't got a mum and dad. She's got you. And he said, but I can't provide. There's nothing I can do for your daughter. And it's only if they're dead or they're gone. And he said, do you mean to tell me I have to go away and die for my little girl? And he said, yes, that's about the size of it. All the kids that are here, their parents have been killed in the war. And he took the little girl's hand and he put it in the lady's hand. And he said, you take it, because I'm going to go and hang myself. He went out and he hung himself. And it was a real picture of what Jesus did for us, isn't it? It was him that cared for us. He took our hand and he said, you know what? I'm going to look after you and I'm going to give my life for you. And that's how simple and how powerful it is that Jesus, he went out and he hung on the cross that we might have life. And I thought this was just beautiful. I sat and cried because it was so simple but yet so powerful. And I felt the Lord say, I want you to take this scripture because it's my scripture and it's not as hard as you think. Once you get the spirit of God in you and you start to look at it, I will show you the way with this. So there are certain things the Lord's led me to, to take this scripture and he said, I felt like the Lord saying, you know what? Revelation is all about Jesus, but it also about the history. There's history in there. There's the present and also there's the future. And I looked at it and I, I took um, the scripture that the Lord wanted me to read here. Was, it was about the seven churches in um, the Revelation right at the beginning from chapter 2. And the first church I looked at, actually, I looked at one of the other churches and um, I went through it and I studied it. I went through all these commentaries and everything. And um, 
I read it and then I realised it wasn't the church I wanted to preach about. But I learned so much about it and I went back into the one that I want and it's in Revelation chapter 2. You probably know it and you may know more about it than I do and it's, write this letter to the angel of the church and this, he was talking to John and the apostle John, or disciple of John, he was um, uh, with the disciples when Jesus was on earth and he also was um, referred to in John as, as the beloved. So um, he, he was the, the beloved one and apparently he um, was very close to Jesus, even like at the Last Supper he sat next to him and he put his head on Jesus' um, um, shoulder and he really loved Jesus. He was apparently the beloved of Jesus and apparently he cared for Jesus' mother um, he took on the um, responsibility of looking after Mary. And apparently when he was taken, he was, at the church, he was at Ephesus, a place, and he was quite old there and he preached the gospel. And um, while he was there preaching the gospel, um, uh, what's the guy's name, Domination, or you probably know his name, and he was the one that sent him to the prison at Patmos. And he went to the prison and while he was there in the prison, he heard the Lord say to him, he said, um, I want you to um, write all these things down that I'm going to tell you. And um, these are the things that um, uh, he said, write this letter to the angel of the church of Ephesus. This is a message from the one who holds the seven stars in the right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold uh, lampstands. I know all the things you do and I've seen your hard work, your patience, endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You examine the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. So he, he starts there in that letter to this church at Ephesus and he says, um, look, when they got the letter, this, this is what it's about. You have done all these things. I'm honouring you, you know, for what you've done. You've, um, therein it says it started off, I know, um, I know all the things you do. And we know that, don't we? That God knows every single thing that we do. In Psalm 131, he talks about he knows us. He knows our thoughts. He knows what we do every day. There's nothing the Lord knows. Somewhere he says, I know the number of hairs that you have on your head. I know everything about you. So he knew what was going on. And he knows about us, doesn't he? He knows everything that we do. And this is what he was saying. I know you. I know your works. And I know how patient you are. This is what he was saying. I know you're a patient church. You endure. I know you, you don't tolerate evil. And... Um, you examine the claims of those that say they are apostles, but they are not. And I know myself, growing up in the church and knowing that the, the gospel that we hear here is truth. And I'd know if someone came in and started preaching something that wasn't the same as God's word, I would know straight away in my spirit. And you know, this is what he's saying in the church. You know this. You know all about this, that they're, they're, they're not, you know, right. They're off. Um, and you suffered for me, lots and lots of things, you know, in the church. It's what we were saying. But everything's going well. But there are, is a complaint that I have. And this complaint about you, about you is 
you don't love me and each other as you did at first. And this is the scripture that came to me first when the Lord um, wanted me to share was about losing our first love. And I want you to have a look at that. And I want you, and when Annette was um, talking, that praying, I thought, what a confirmation. How God just wants us to have Jesus at the centre of it all. We need to be the centre in that song that um, you were singing, you know. Jesus has to come first in our lives. And it made me think to go back, you know, of all these things, you know, where we need to be. You know, this particular place where they were, and I shared this with you before when I was um, doing a bit of study on Paul, our Ephesus, it was quite a big port. It was a big um, city and there was a lot of trading going on and there was a lot of um, business people there. There were a lot of uh, affluent people, had money. There was a lot of Jews, there was a lot of Greeks, there was a lot of religions, so there were different religions in the place. But there was a lot of... um, people there that really were educated. Apparently, there was a scientist there who studied um, the, the reason for things. So he, he looked at logic and, and he, he wanted to know the reason of things. And he, from this particular town of Everson at that time, that's where we get all the ologies from. He, he came up with all the meteorology and the biology and the sociology and apparently it came out of this time. That was very interesting to me how from that time, this is where the scientist was, where he studied all this, so he was looking at reasoning. But we know, don't we, what our reason is. And you hear people say that Christmas, what's the reason? Jesus is the reason for the season. But really, what's our church all about? Jesus is the reason, isn't he? The centre of it all. Jesus is the centre of it all. But actually, in Ephesus, there was a lot of idol worship going on. And a lot of people, even when Paul went there and preached, um, a lot of people lost their jobs because there was a guy there that was making silver, uh, or a silversmith, he made silver, he found silver, and he made all these different decorations for these gods. So he lost a lot of money because um, his business um, went out because of these idols and that they weren't as um, prevalent after the gospel was there, but they did a lot of idol worship. And one of their gods was um, Diana. Um, And there was all this um, worship of Mother Earth and women and all this sort of thing that was going on. And um, it made me even think about, as an Aboriginal person, um, I know that there's a lot of earthly things happen in different religions and traditions where they worship the earth and where everything's going to go back to the earth and, you know, they believe that everything come up from the earth and blah, 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 and they don't really put Jesus as the centre of all creation. So they start to, to worship the creation rather than the creator. So, you know, there's all that tied up there as well in this. Isn't that interesting? That's interesting to me, just in Revelation, and I can really, um, you know, relate it back to um, myself. I can relate it, you know, all those things in the church, but not, and I look at all these things that go on in the church, and I know that a lot of things are down to pat in the church, and a lot of things are functioning, looks terrific, but sometimes it can get out of hand. Sometimes we can do it in the flesh and not in the spirit. And this is what the Lord's saying to me. So if 
I'm, if anyone thinks I'm talking to them, I, this is what the Lord is saying to me. Um, I need you to come back to your first love. You know, and I know a lot of churches are about a lot of things. But I know for me, the Lord said, I want you to come back to your first love. And the way there are three things that we, to, to come back to this first love is to remember. And the second thing, to repent and then to resume. And I, I um, was talking to my brother about this and he said to me, you know, there was a golfer. And if you're a golfer, you might remember who it was. I can't even think of his name. But he said, when things go really bad for me, I go right back to the beginning and I start over again. He said, and then I start to know exactly where I went wrong along the way. And it made me think of what I said to you earlier about God so loved the world and how Jesus gave himself and he should be the centre of it all. And uh, the Lord said, I want you to remember your first love. And I've shared it with you lots of times. And I love sharing how I fell in love with Graham. I just love sharing because he was my first love. I had other boyfriends, very not good boyfriends, but I, uh, I fell in love with Graham. And the day I remember when I first saw Graham, and don't laugh, Angel, I walked into the, the home, I was coming home from work, and I walked into the lounge room, and he was sitting in my brother's bedroom on the bed talking to my brother and someone else. And I looked and I thought, Hmm, I like what I see. <laughs> and I know he was looking at me. <laughs> and I walked into the, the bed, uh, into the lounge room and later on he came and he sat in the room and I started talking to him. And uh, I felt a bit embarrassed because everyone else went to bed and I didn't really know him. It was the first time I met him. So I got up and said, I better go to bed. And I walked up and I tripped on the mat and fell flat on my face. I had the miniest skirt on you'd ever seen and I just and Graham came to pick me up and said don't touch me leave me alone and I was so embarrassed and uh, you know it didn't matter and after a while he rang up and I talked to him for quite a while and and we we just started to talk and then I asked him out actually asked him to go to an engagement party and he came to the engagement party and I remember dressing up butterflies in my hair, which people don't do now, and I had a blue dress on and we went out and I remember he held my hand and I remember cold shivers going down my back. It was the most wonderful thing in the whole world. And when we came home and I remember we were at the door and he just went to kiss me goodnight and my brother opened the door and he went, oh. So, <laughs> and, you know, I just remember all this and how wonderful it was to fall in love, how great it was, you know, and you just think of the boyfriends I've had, you know, I thought even a friend of ours died the other day and he used to come to youth with us and he was our friend and I know the boys there, they wanted to um, take my sister and I out but we were only, what, 14 or 15 and they used to come to church then and they had suits on and they had a tie. I mean, how many kids do you see these days and they come with a real big Bible under their arm? And honestly, they were nerds. You wouldn't want to fall in love with them. <laughs> I didn't anyway. <laughs> and then when after youth, we'd go home and the boys, we'd walk real fast. They didn't walk us home. They'd run us home because we used to run away from them. <laughs> and I think about all of this and racing. And I remember going out with another boy. Mum said I could go out with him. He was 19. He was an electrician. And I went to church with him, but I fell in the gutter. The first time, it was terrible. I ripped all my stocking. And anyway, 
I didn't go out with him very long. So the relationships I had were very not like the relationship I had with my husband when I met him. And now I fell in love with him and I thought it was so wonderful. And I think about that, you know. And, you know, even in a marriage, I wonder how enthusiastic we are about our husband or our wife as we were when we first met them. Do we still, not me, give flowers to you? I don't give flowers to Graham, never did. But does our husband still give us flowers? My husband makes me a coffee every morning. Or do we still cook their favourite meal? Do we still cater for their needs because we love them like we did when we first met them? It still happened in your household. And I felt the Lord really honing in on this with me, with, you know, with my relationship with God. You know, here it says, you, you, you've abandoned your first love. You know, do you really love, are you really making Christ the centre of your life? Is all these other things distracting you? Are you as keen about loving God as you were when you first met him? I remember the day I gave my life to the Lord. I was only five. So my understanding wasn't always there. But do you know, I know that the Lord did something in my life because since then, I've had a desire to go to church. The Holy Spirit was in me. And I know the Holy Spirit led me to keep going. And I kept going. I remember the day I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I wanted the Lord more than anything when I was a teenager. I wanted to go to church. I wanted to go to Bible college, which I did. I did all those things. I wanted to pursue my Christian life. And I love the Lord and I know the Lord says to me, is that the way you are? Are you as enthusiastic today as you were then? And I'm sure this is what the scripture was saying to these people. You've done all those things in church. I mean, I still come to church. I still all do those things and I still love the Lord. But the Lord's saying to me, are you 100% or are you putting me 100% at the centre of your life? Is this what is a part of your life? And I want that more than anything, that, you know, God's going to do something new. And he gave me that scripture there in Isaiah 43, 18. Forget the former things. Don't worry about all those things that you've failed to do, but I'm going to do a new thing in you. And I believe that this is for the church too. I'm going to do a new thing in you. I'm going to put a new love in you for me, that we will be more enthusiastic we will be more in tune with God than we ever had. This is going to be the best year for our church, the year 2023, that God is going to be the centre of our church. And not only that, you know what he says in that scripture? You've also fallen away a bit with a love for one another. You know, and I know we love one another, but we see each other at church, but how much do we really think about everyone in the church Really love one another. Because the Lord says, you know, um, how will the world know that you are Christians for your love for one another? And that's how people know that we are Christians because we love one another. And um, the Lord was really sharing this. And this was in the scripture in Revelation that I thought was so far removed. You know, I want you to love one another. I want you to come back to basics. And I want you to be able to Put me first and think about 
really loving like you did when you first met your husband, when you first met me, how enthusiastic you were. And also, think about the time when you first came to church here. And Graham and I have been through churches. We've been through a lot of hard times in different churches. But I do not forget the day when we came to Annette's house at Coolerman. And it was such a refreshing time. And I know Graham and I were there, Annette and Steve were there, and Jan. There were a few other people, but um, you weren't there, Robin. <laughs> Not at that time. And I just think how blessed I was to walk in that house and people received us. And I want that same feeling of that refreshing when I come into the church and think it's going to be greater than what it ever was before, you know. And... Um, I believe this is a new thing that God's going to do in our church, a greater thing. I, I don't think we've lost a lot of it. I do think, though, that God's going to do a greater thing, a, a, a more powerful thing, that we will be the centre, Christ will be the centre. That's what I feel for the new year. And from there, I, I just think that um, what the Lord was saying to me from there is, you know what, I want you um, to think about... Um, uh, how um, God wants to give us peace, beautiful peace. There's nothing like the peace of God. And no matter going back thinking about all sorts of things, I believe the Lord wants to give us peace. And there's nothing like peace. And I woke up this morning and I had other things to share down the lines of this, but when I woke up, I felt the Lord say to me, I want you to include some peace because God wants you to be at peace because all the decisions you make this year need to be out of peace and not out of anxiousness. And sometimes we get very anxious about um, things and we make decisions from being anxious. But God said, I don't want you to be anxious. I don't want you to um, um, not have peace because... We need to be able to get that peace back in our lives or start it up again or get a peace that maybe we've never had before. And I know that I go through things where I think about things all the time, like even with this uh, word, I just go over it in my mind. I write things down and I read. And the Lord said, I just want you to have peace. I, and you will know it's from the Spirit of God because you know why? Because the Lord is the Prince of Peace. Unto us uh, a, a son is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be um, Counselor, um, Saviour, and the Prince of Peace. And he is the Prince of Peace, isn't he? And if he dwells in us, then we have peace. But remember too, it's not just a part of something. It is a... Um, God, it is Jesus, and Jesus is 100% peace. It's not just something on the side, but he is 100% peace, isn't he? And when he fills us, we have his peace in us. Okay, so he is the prince of peace, and he, and he can fill us with his peace. And I think that's something for me this year to look at without being anxious about things, out worrying about things, which we all do, but to have a peace. And we also need to be... Um, diligent and, and, and also filled with faith. And Philippians 4, and you probably know this um, scripture, it's quite um, 
a well-known um, scripture. Let me find it. I've, I've got my um, phone because I found it easier to um, um, read. Otherwise, I'm skipping through. Um, but it doesn't look like it's as easy to find. No, sorry. Philippians 4. And it's um, chapter, verse 9. Sorry. Um, 3... Five, eight, there, oh. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one fond thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely. Admirable, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me, everything you heard. And it's not the scripture. I thought, it, oh, sorry, it's nine. I've gone into Philippians four. Sorry. <laughs> I thought this was going to be easy. I would have brought my Bible out. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Philippians. Well, it is Philippians 4. I don't know where I went, but it's Philippians 6, isn't it? No, I said, what did I say? Sorry. 4, 6. It is 6. Yeah. Yep, you can read it if you like. Yeah, oh, okay. Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God that you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything we can understand. The peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? It is a beautiful scripture, isn't it? The, the peace of God. If we just not worry and if we pray, you know, and seek God because that prayer, doesn't it, brings us back into that intimacy with God and that love for God. When we pray and when we connect with God, he will um, give us that peace. So, yeah, and a, a, a God mindset. So we know too over in um, Isaiah, it talks about trusting the Lord and he'll give you peace, but he also talks about... Um, depending on the Holy Spirit with the fruits of the Spirit because the fruits of the Spirit, and if we've got the fruit of the Spirit, we will bear peace, won't we? Uh, love, joy and peace. So there's those things. And um, also um, he talks about um, praise, which Stuart was talking about today, and that was beautiful. And um, it says in the Word, doesn't it, God dwells in the praises of his people. And if we praise the Lord and then we bring peace, God into our everyday life, if we wake up with praise on our hearts and our minds, then God will really uh, abide in us, won't he? He'll abide in us and that peace will, will flow through him. So I, I just wanted to, to share that part of it there, that when we were going back to our first love, and regardless of whether we're complacent, whether we just... Um, get a habit of just falling into just coming to church because it's a ritual, you know, but we really need to um, get with God every day and sometimes distractions come where we just miss out on those sorts of things, but God wants us to keep our eyes on him and remember when other people come in the way and we listen to other people about the church or about what we believe or what we're going to do, we really need to keep our eyes on Jesus, don't we, that he can um, show us the way. Um, I'll just 
go over here because I want to talk then about, uh, remember I said about first of all remembering and then repenting and I felt like I needed to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry if I've failed you. I'm really sorry, Lord, if I haven't really put you the centre of my life and I've got all these other distractions in my life. I want you to change me. I want you to do this new thing in me, Lord. This year where I am more enthusiastic that I can come back and remember how much that I wanted you when I first fell in love with you, when I first gave my life to you, Lord. So I'm resuming going back to where I was at the beginning. And um, I know that scripture over in Joel and it talks about um, being restored and you might know the scripture and the Lord tells us that he will restore us, you know, for all that we do. But in there he's talking about fasting and praying and I really believe the Lord's spoken to me too when I was sharing with Robin not long ago that the Lord's spoken to me, maybe not for long periods, it might be through a meal, it might be through a day, that I just wait on God and just say, Lord, fill me with yourself again, that I'll be enthusiastic about you and that you will restore me, Lord, and all the trouble that we've had in churches before and all the distractions that have taken place, but I will centre on you, Lord. You will be the centre of my life in everything I do. And I pray that this will be our prayer. And don't forget that scripture there in Isaiah. I want to do a new thing and I believe God. That's what the Lord is about, the new, isn't it? Bringing new things up in our life all the time and just going on, pushing on. And the Lord will bless us and he will strengthen us because at the end of that chapter, um, he says... um, he um, goes on talking about the, um, gosh, it's here somewhere. Anyway, he, he, there is a reward there that, that he will bless us as we, were, um, as we will do all the things that the Lord wants us to do. Um, I'll, I'll get that scripture back up again because that's important and that's what I just want to finish with there. Um, Revelation. I'm not going to use my phone again, please. <laughs> it hasn't worked for me, so. Um, chapter 2, kind of chapter 10. Yeah, actually, I need an iPad, not a, a, a what's name. Um, anyone with ears to hear, let him hear the spirit and they understand what he's saying to the churches and everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in paradise of God. So he's saying that, you know what, if you do all these things and you're successful, you know what, I'm going to give you a life in heaven, but I believe that he's going to give us a life here too as we um, make him the centre of our life. Thanks, Annette.